Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. They haven't won a World Series in a century or so. So what? They're here. Every April, they're here. The 105 or 705, there is a game. If it gets rained out, guess what? They make it up to you. Does anyone else in your life do that? It's time for Hit and Run. Don't try to strike everybody out. Strikeouts are boring. Besides that, they're fascists. Throw some ground balls. More democratic. Cubs and White Sox conversation every Sunday morning till Cubs first pitch. Any bet against my Sox this series is a sucker bet. Of course, I'm not a gambling man. Hosted by Matt Spiegel. I want the absolute truth here. Are you 100%? Yeah, well, I'm about something like that. You better. You want to make this team. Connecting with you, the baseball fanatic. There's no crying in baseball. No crying. Hit and run on Sports Radio 670 The Score. 670 The Score. And the radio.com app. Good morning to you, baseball fans. Hope all is well with you on a Sunday morning. It is delightful with me. Thanks for asking. Cubs get a win in Pittsburgh. White Sox played an interesting game that saw them get caught and passed by the Angels last night in the seventh, but it was another entertaining broadcast. With Jason Benetti and a pal, this time television producer Michael Shore, Ken Tremendous on the Twitters, and uh, from Fire Joe Morgan. So caught a bunch of that and enjoyed it. And, uh, and then this morning, we're going to have some fun right here on Hit and Run for the next three hours. Looking forward to talking Cubs and Sox with you. A few national stories of interest from yesterday's slew of games around the big leagues. And a pretty cool day coming in Williamsport for the third annual Little League Classic, and the first time that uh, one of our teams is involved. The Cubs are there, and it's, uh, it's a nice opportunity for them. And I think tonight, if you watch, uh, some of us to sort of get back in touch with that, that Little League baseball ethos, if you will. The, the, the happiness, the, uh, the vibe of pleasure that the young men play with. Um, although one of those guys is crouching way too damn low and trying to get strikes impossible to call in his, uh, in his at-bat for Team Venezuela. We're going to chastise a child at some point <laughs> during the day today because he needs to be chastised. It's ridiculous. But um, here's what's coming up on the show. Chris Kamka will join us at about 9.45 for his regular Cam Connection segments. The Sultan of Stat from NBC Sports Chicago will give us uh, nuggets on Cubs and or Sox that you do not get anywhere else. Um, Steve Albini, who is a, um, a legendary record producer, although he would call himself a recording engineer, and uh, that uh, is, is interesting in and of itself to discuss, but a huge baseball fan, um, a guy who has um, welcomed me and a lot of others into his house uh, for some poker games where we talk baseball and music nonstop, and the conversation's always intriguing, and I thought, you know what, we should do that here on the show. I've had, a, remember, I had Lynn Bramer from XRT here a couple of months ago, 
And uh, obviously the, the baseball music conversation hits me right between the eyes. And I know some of you, uh, if not many of you, but hopefully a lot of you, um, it, it hits you between the eyes uh, as well. And, and trust me, if you've never heard Steve talk, he's very, very interesting and a thoughtful dude and a good listen. So he's going to be my guest co-host for the 10 o'clock hour. Uh, Steve produced many, 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 many records, including uh, Nirvana, The Pixies, PJ Harvey, uh, Jimmy Page and Robert Plant, uh, among a million others. Lately, Robbie Falks, some really great records by Chicago and Robbie Falks, and a ton of other stuff. So a lot to talk about with Steve, and we'll do that at 10 o'clock. And along the way, we will talk with you at 312-644-6767. You can text me at 67011. You can tweet me at Matt Spiegel 670. And uh, we will talk Cubs and Sox and MLB. I need to gloat. I will open with a gloat. <laughs> and it's not really a gloat because um, gloating's ugly, folks. It's just ugly when you do that. I guess I'll just say this. Satisfaction. Happiness. Um, I, I have good feelings after yesterday's bullpen performance for the Cubs against a woeful Pittsburgh Pirates team that is, I believe, 7-26 and 26 since the All-Star break. Woof. But finally, we saw something that I and others have been hoping to see for a long time, which is a, a man who signed a three-year deal for 50-plus million dollars to be a starting pitcher last year, Tyler Chatwood, who has been an absolute debacle as a starter last year but who's been pretty damn good this year in a wide number of roles and has been good really since the spring in terms of his control. He's been a very, very different kind of pitcher. And we finally saw him used in a high-leverage, short-relief bullpen situation. It's funny because I, I was talking about it yesterday on Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine, was tweeting about it yesterday. Like, why not Chatwood? Because... His stuff is so good. He's got swing and miss quality stuff in a bullpen that, especially yesterday, was woefully short and has been woefully short on swing and miss stuff. His confidence and his demeanor have been impressive all year long. Um, teammates love him because he has worked very, very hard to try and contribute in any way possible, even though last year was such a disaster. And he's been good, and the options have been so limited. So there... After John Lester got out of trouble in the first and then the fifth, both of those with the bases loaded, in the sixth with first and second, got out of that trouble. In the seventh, it's first and second again um, with nobody out. And Tyler Chatwood comes in in a difficult situation, gets a, a really nice catch by Ian Happ in left field, and eventually hits Starling Marte to load the bases, and the fearsome Josh Bell is up there, but Chatwood got it done in that inning. Right-handed pitcher, left-handed batter. Here we go, the 0-2 to Bell. A swing and a bouncing ball, slowly hit the second, charging Russell, throws to first, inning over. What a job by Tyler Chatwood. So there he is, Chatwood getting out of the seventh inning. Then he comes out to pitch the eighth inning. There's a strikeout in the seventh, and in the eighth inning he gets another K when Colin Moran is at the plate. Moran swings and misses. Right, nice uh, slow curveball by Tyler Chatwood. So Chatwood ends up going two innings, and then he starts the ninth as well. So I guess Joe was going to let him try and go three innings for the, 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 the save that way, and, and I know that Chatwood has been a long guy, but Rowan Wick was there backing him up, and Chatwood gave up a base runner, allowed a base runner to start the ninth, and that was that. Rowan Wick then came in, got three up, three down, got his first career save, 
And hallelujah, those two guys in yesterday's availables in the bullpen, those are the two guys I want to see. Now, today things will be different. Today, you've got Brandon Kinsler after his bumpy performance the other night, but he will have a day of rest, so he'll be available again today. And he's been terrific in a setup role, especially getting ground balls. Today, I believe you're going to have Craig Kimbrell activated off the injured list, and he will be back. No rehab assignment for Kimbrell. It appears he's coming right back to the big league roster. So, so there's Kimbrell back and available, and uh, you assume being handed the ninth yet again, as is back to his job, and that's fine. But, man, Pedro Strope has shown you that he is broken for a couple of months now, and he needs to be used in low-leverage situations, in mop-up situations, big lead or big deficit, let him pitch and get, you know, try to refine it. He just he should not be trusted in big, big moments right now. And it's unfortunate what a great Cubs career he has had, but it's been a, a brutal stretch due to some injuries, due to some loss of velocity, due to some mechanical chaos for Pedro Strope. It should be Tyler Chatwood given a chance in moments like this, and he proved he was up to it yesterday, and it was great to see. Chatwood spoke after the game, uh, talked about staying mentally ready, even though he has been used sporadically and uh, kind of, you know, in ways that, it, that he could not predict. Try to stay mentally sharp as locked in as you can. You know, um, I feel like if you let it get you super frustrated or anything, it just eat at you. So, you know, obviously I want to be in there more. I want to help us win games. But um, just be ready when they call my name. So that's Tyler Chatwood, who was indeed ready yesterday. And it was great to see. And I, I look, I know that it's important to have somebody in your back pocket for long relief. And that has been Chatwood. And that's great. Um, and he has been good in that role. But the Cubs have been so aggressive, and smartly so, in trying to cycle through their bullpen guys and figure out who's got what. All these different people that have pitched out of the Cubs' bullpen, my God. I think we're up to 17. It might even be 18. I'll look it up. But my God, there have been so many people, and we knew that was going to be the case. We knew that was going to be the case. So... As we, uh, as we look at the pitching and we look at the games started, and I, I, will, I will sort by that on the, old, uh, on the old baseball reference, that allows us to look at the others and tell you that here are the names who have pitched out of the Cubs' bullpen this year. Strope, Ciszek, Kinsler, Ryan, Brock, Montgomery, Wick, Edwards, Kimbrell, Alan Webster, Randy Rosario, Dylan Maples, Tim Collins, Derek Holland, David Phelps, that's 15. Dwayne Underwood Jr. is 16. Xavier Cedeno is 17. Tony Barnett is 18. James Norwood is 19. 19 pitchers out of the pen at different times this year. And if you'd like to count Victor Caratini, Taylor Davis, and Daniel Descalso, you can get to 22. But I don't think we need to count those guys. But 19! Man! What was the exact quote from Theo in spring training? He talked about how you just got to find eight guys to have a good year out of, I believe he said 16, considering, or 14. I think he, it might have been the total number. He was, he was talking about all the guys who were at AAA, who they knew they were going to cycle through, be it Maples and Collins, Norwood. Maybe he was thinking about Dakota Meccas, Rosario, some of these other guys. We're at 19 different pitchers, including the deadline acquisitions, to have pitched out of the bullpen. I, have, I don't know 
if that is among the leaders around baseball. But I have to guess that it's close. God, if only I knew good stat people. Chris Kampka, you listening? Scott Lindholm, you listening? 19 pitchers out of the Cubs bullpen this year? That's got to be close to the leader. Oh, and, and how about Albert Alzali? That's right. Thank you. And Alec Mills. We're at 21. I didn't count those guys because they were listed among starters. That's absolutely true. So Alzali and Mills takes you to 21. And Chatwood takes you to 22. Holy hell. Forgive me. Chatwood, Mills, and Alzale take you to 22. And wasn't Quintana used in relief in the first series of the year in Texas? I believe that he was. So yeah, he it, was. So we'll count him too, right? That's 23 different pitchers out of the Cubs bullpen. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So now we're, we're at 23, including Quintana. And you have to include that because these days, using a starter on his side day out of the bullpen is commonplace in the playoffs and every once in a while necessary and doable during the regular season. So we're at 23. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's the most in baseball. And I don't know at all if that's the case. But if I have to take the three position players to get to 26 to, to make my point true, I will accept that. My goodness. But Tyler Chatwood has that thing right now. He's got some confidence. He's got, uh, he's got pitches that, that work well together. Speaking of pitches that work well together, before we go any further, let me mention to you that if you've ever heard me or anybody else talk about tunneling in terms of what a pitcher tries to do and what a hitter has to deal with, and you wonder what the hell that's about, read Sahadev Sharma today on The Athletic about uh, Chris Bryant and some of the ugly strikeouts you've seen over the last week from Chris Bryant, who had a big home run yesterday, and that's, that was a big part of the story. But he, he swung at a, uh, at a, at a, a really low, weird-looking curveball from Aaron Nola that was so far out of the zone that maybe you were thinking, what the hell's he doing? And in that Sahadev piece, it, you understand why through the, uh, the magic of an overlay GIF, and it is GIF, damn it, you, you realize that Nola's curve looks exactly like his two-seamer, just exactly like it, coming out of the same tunnel. And in that at-bat where Brian struck out like that, pitch number two and pitch number four looked exactly alike until pitch number four dives outside and low and into the ground. There's another one about Trevor Bauer, how his curve looks just like his four-seam fastball. And in fact, it spins just like his four-seam fastball. And Bryant tells you about this, just how hard and weird the game is. Because it, not only are you making a momentary judgment about whether to swing or not, but you're making a momentary judgment, is this a fastball? Is it a curve? And the spin is the same. This is why the, the, the high fastball is being paired with the curve or the slider in that same tunnel because it looks exactly like it in that split second when hitters have to make a decision. And you essentially have to guess which one it is. And if you guess wrong, you look a fool like some of the best hitters in baseball do. So uh, check out that piece if you want to see it and follow Pitching Ninja on Twitter for the overlay gifs, among other things, to give you a, a, an idea as to just how weird and how difficult it is to be a hitter in the big leagues. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. 
So, yeah, if anybody else wants to look up and challenge me on 23 different pitchers pitching out of the bullpen for the Cubs and whether that is indeed the most in baseball, feel free. But I think it's got to be. Jose Quintana pitches today. We'll talk about him a little bit. We'll talk about John Lester, the aging ace, a little bit. And we'll talk about uh, Mike Trout and doing what he did last night to Evan Marshall. Also, a great story, a great rock and roll story from uh, from a, a, another spot in the game last night that I want to discuss with you as well. It's Hit and Run on 670 The Score. I'm Matt Spiegel, Chris Kampka, and Camp Connections coming up in 20 minutes or so. And Steve Albini for the 10 o'clock hour. Keep it right here on 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back in on 670 The Score. It's hit and run. With you on a Sunday morning, as always. And a uh, little music from the Tours here playing behind us. It's Jack White of the White Stripes. Enough Jack White. And uh, Brendan Benson uh, in that band, steady as she goes. Uh, their new record's pretty cool. Lots of jams on it. It's kind of proggy if you're into that. But anyway, that's not why you called. I wanted to let you know that I, I don't know what, what is a perfect night for you. But Jack White and his bandmates went to go see the Nationals and the Brewers in Washington. And they, they had good seats because, you know, rock stars. And then they, they watched the first three innings and then they left because they had to go play a gig at this place in Washington, D.C., apparently called the Anthem. And they went and played the Anthem and played their show. That show ended and they obviously somebody looked at their phone and realized, hey, Brewers and Nationals still going on. And they made the seven-minute drive from the anthem back to the ballpark and got back in. I don't know how they got back in. I'm calling shenanigans on that because you're not supposed to be allowed to at a ballpark, right? Head back in. But I'm betting they knew people. They got back in, and they watched the last three or four innings of that game because it went on and on and on that game. Ended up being a Brewers win over the Nationals in the 15th inning. Man, that is a night right there for Jack White and the Raconteurs. The Brewers were trailing, by the way, 11-8 to to the Nationals in the ninth inning last night. And they ended up hitting three homers in the ninth. Yelich, a solo shot. Mike Moustakis, a shot with a man on. And then Ryan Braun with a shot. And they're up 12-11 going to the bottom of the ninth. The Nationals tie it. Eventually, this game ends 15-14 to Brewers in the 15th inning. Milwaukee hit five home runs last night after reaching the ninth inning. And Jason Stark told me this morning on the Twitters that they hadn't had a road game all year where they hit five homers before the ninth inning. The road game last night, they hit five homers after the ninth inning. Just insane. Eric Thames eventually with the game winner. But I think the, the Nationals scored one in the bottom of the 15th. So it was 15 to 13, and the Nats got one, but could not get two. Crazy, crazy night of baseball there. The Brewers are a game back 
of the Cubs and Cardinals who are tied for the lead in the National League Central. And the best two teams in the National League played last night, the Dodgers and the Braves. There was, uh, there was one right there between the Dodgers and the Braves. That's the best two teams in the National League, and I would argue the two healthiest organizations in the National League. They still have young, very cheap guys producing for them. They have uh, young guys assigned to comfortable extensions. They have farm systems that continue and still could provide them with big league contributions and or trade fodder. The, the Braves got to Hunjin Roo last night, back-to-back homers from Josh Donaldson and Adam Duvall, and then their new bullpen held up. You know how many acquisitions the Braves made at, uh, at the trade deadline. And Luke Jackson got the job done for them in the seventh after Sean Newcomb had bailed out Mike Fultonevich, the local kid. Shane Green, the Tigers' closers, now their setup man. He struck out the side for the Braves against the Dodgers in the eighth. And Mark Melanson finished it in the ninth inning. Unafraid of the ninth inning is Mark Melanson. The Braves can play with anybody. Braves-Dodgers, is that your National League Championship Series preview? Very possibly. Do the Cubs have a shot to get there? Yes, absolutely they do. Got to win the division. I still think they're going to win the division. Absolutely do. Got 40 games left, 20 at home, um, 20 on the road. And thank you for the textures. 14-inning game last night, not a 15-inning game. Thank you for that. But anyway, 20 left uh, at home, 20 left on the road for the Cubs. And you've got a shot to do it here with a 40-game sprint tied for first place. Maybe you don't think you deserve to be there, but you are there. Like Jed Hoyer said the other day before the game, maybe you don't feel like you deserve to be there, but you are there and now with the shot. So what do you got? Set up your very best. Who's your leadoff hitter the rest of the way? Is it getting to Jason Hayward? Man, I wanted it to be Jason Hayward. I was calling for it to be Jason Hayward, but he has not been very good in that leadoff spot. And, you know, listening to Kevin Zipak replay some of Hoyer on with Danny Parkins the other day, and I hadn't heard some of it where he's, you know, admitting and um, totally owning up to the fact that being a leadoff guy can screw with you mentally, and it has happened, as, Hay- as Hoyer said, to, quote, some of our guys, unquote. He's talking about Schwarber and Hayward, Right that they've been a little too aggressive sometimes in that spot. Hayward has admitted it got to him mentally. But then, you know, he's been so good this year that he's put back there yesterday, or or I should say about, what, 10 days ago, maybe two weeks ago it has been already. And Hayward's numbers in the leadoff spot have not not been good. So he didn't, he wanted Joe Madden to be patient, and Madden has been, but is it time to pull that plug? Gosh, once you do it, you cannot go back to it. You cannot go back. So we'll see what happens. But lock in your best lineup. Lock in your best bullpen guys. And I'm glad they've been aggressive in trying to figure out who those bullpen guys are. I'm glad they have. And yesterday, finally, you saw Tyler Chatwood with a chance in the seventh inning and the eighth inning, and he was terrific. 670, the score is where you are. You want to dial it up? You can at 312-644-6767. A few minutes for open phone lines. You can text at 67011, as a lot of you are, and uh, tweet me at Spiegel670. Bottom of the hour, by the way, is brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. Your Western Conference champion, Chicago Wolves, will open the season on Saturday, October 5th. For group and season tickets, visit ChicagoWolves.com. 
And the bottom of the hour is sponsored by Hint Water. Hint is pure still or sparkling water infused with a variety of fruit essences, including watermelon, blackberry, and cherry. No sugar, no sweeteners, no calories. Available in your local grocery store or at drinkhint.com. Hint, mouth-watering water. So, I'll tell you what. With, um, With John Lester doing his thing yesterday... With Jose Quintana set up for today, with you Darvish as good as he's been, with Kyle Hendricks as locked in as he was his last time out, you feel pretty good about the rotation. Cole Hamels is the guy struggling. Mechanically, he's been struggling. Uh, just get, got absolutely torched in Philadelphia. I don't know how much of that was the mentality of being back uh, at the place where he pitched for the first big portion of his career and had so much success, but he was uh, just brutal the other day. But if you're the Cubs, you are set up to go down that, uh, this path of your final 39 games, not 40, but your final 39 games, and, and take this division. It is still yours for the taking. It's time to do it. I'll tell you one thing I was uh, very, very wrong about is that 23 pitchers out of the bullpen would be the most in the big leagues. That's a lot. It does feel like a lot that the Cubs have used out of the bullpen. But my goodness, and thank you to my guy Chris Kampka, it is 33 pitchers for the Seattle Mariners out of the bullpen. 33! 25 for the Yankees, a texture pointed out, but 33 for the Mariners is your record. And that is a team not contending, 22 games under 500, just kind of cycling through and trying to find guys who are useful. I guess I would ask you, Chris Kampka, if you're listening, uh, among what, contending teams, among good teams, maybe that Yankees 25 is the most with all their injuries. But 33 for the Mariners is absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. Um, before we take a call and take a break, I got to share and confirm some brutal news on Twitter. Former Bear Cedric Benson has passed away. And Cedric uh, Benson, apparently it was a motorcycle accident in Austin, Texas. And his brother has now confirmed it on social media. It's been a very it's been a very bumpy life for Cedric Benson. Some of it self-imposed. You remember the boat accident long ago um, when he was, I believe, he was still an active player with a boat accident. Just two days ago, Cedric Benson took a plea deal for a lesser charge in a driving while intoxicated uh, case, and, and he had charged, he pled no contest to obstruction of a passageway. Um, obviously, I don't know who's at fault or, or, or if Cedric himself was even riding in the motorcycle accident. We'll, we'll get more details as we go here. But Cedric Benson has apparently passed away. That's crazy. That's very, very young for, uh, for a dude who, who, who you would assume had, uh, had a lot to live for, but we don't know. We just we, we don't know. The, the number four overall pick by the Chicago Bears, it really it brings back a, a lot of memories. I was, I was here covering when that happened and producing um, when Cedric got here, and Thomas Jones was the, was, um, was the incumbent, and then Cedric was the draft pick, and he was uh, not treated well, it seemed, by uh, the veterans, but 
you know, in, in terms of some rookie hazing and stuff like that. But apparently he was a guy who a lot of them thought needed some of the hazing, came in with a big-time attitude. There was, you know, a, an awkward relationship of sorts for a while. Uh, had, Cedric had some decent moments as a bear. Uh, an unfortunate chapter was the performance uh, in the Super Bowl. And then Cedric had a much better career in the NFL away from the Bears with Cincinnati. Had a very good run with the Cincinnati Bengals. But then uh, life after football for Cedric has, um, has now come to an end. Rest in peace to Cedric Benson. Boating while intoxicated in 2008. Also arrested in June 2008 for driving while intoxicated. And as I mentioned just a couple days ago, pled um, to a lesser charge. Took a plea deal in a driving while intoxicated case from February 2017. And now we get word having passed away. 670, the score is where you are. And I'm sure that Anthony Heron... Um, and and, uh, and others on after me at around noon here on The Score. We'll discuss that even more. But let's get back to baseball right here on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. This is Joe in Elk Grove Village. Joe, good morning. You're on The Score. How are you? Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I just have a question that, uh, you know, we talk about leadoff man for cups. And maybe I'm wrong, but I thought I've heard some some score hosts say that it doesn't seem to matter anymore, that it's not, you know, it's not as important to have a leadoff hitter. And I'm not sure if the Cubs kind of said the same thing, that it's not as important. But my question is, if it's not important, number one, why do we keep talking about it? Number two, why do the Cubs keep trying different people there? If it's not important, then, you know, just stick just stick uh, Kyle over there or something, or, or let uh, Rizzo, just, you know, for the whole time. I mean, I'm just saying, why do... Why do we keep talking about and changing people if it's not important? It definitely, it, it definitely is important. It's important, and it has been discussed a lot. And lineup position, say, between two, three, four, five, six, something like that, you could argue that, though, that that conversation is overblown. That's fine. But I'll tell you right now, and I've said for a lot of years, anybody pushing back on this idea that leadoff doesn't matter or that that conversation is blow, overblown or putting it in this, uh, this big bag in terms of just the overall lineup con- position conversation, God, that stuff just doesn't matter, they're wrong. They've always been wrong, and um, it's, it's been way too simplistic and way too intentionally dispassionate to try and say that it doesn't matter. Joe, it's yeah. just, it's just, it's just, thanks for the call, man. It's just, it's been dead wrong. And, and, and sometimes it gets proven that it's dead wrong through uh, enough data, you know, and, and enough experience. And sometimes you talk to enough people where you can't deny it. And sometimes eventually you talk to, you know, some of the smartest people in the games or some of the executives of the teams you cover and you purport to know the most about. And, and they say things like, oh, yeah, that position can really get in your head. And we've had trouble with it because our guys change when they take it. Oh, wow. I'm so, so it does matter. So, yeah, no, that's always been wrong. And it continues to be wrong. But I don't think anymore, and I'm not sure what host you're talking about, but uh, I don't think anymore anybody could even pretend that that's the case. You, and if you don't get production out of there... Of course, it can be hugely problematic because you are presenting yourselves with less opportunities for runs batted in for your two, three, four, five hitter. 
Less opportunities with those guys on base. You know, RBIs are poo-pooed, sometimes understandably, as a product of opportunity and circumstance. Well, guess what? If your leadoff guy's not getting on and not doing his thing, then you got troubles. In terms of OPS, on-base plus slugging, around baseball, last year the Cubs' leadoff hitter, leadoff spot, was good overall. This year, not good. 27th out of 30 with a 671 OPS. Absolutely brutal. The only other decent team down around there is St. Louis. They're worst at 29, and a lot of that is due to Matt Carpenter. But the Cubs have obviously tried a bunch of different people there. And, yeah, they've needed somebody there since Dexter Fowler. It's hard. There are not a lot of guys out there to get. There are not a lot of Charlie Blackmans out there, okay? There is just not a lot of uh, prototypical leadoff guys who you can lock and load and just pop up there and let them do their thing. Just not too many of them around the game. But absolutely, opening, uh, you know, leadoff hitter and closer are two just completely, unequivocally difficult spots mentally that have to be manned by people who can handle it. Absolutely. And it's, it's, why, it's why Dexter was you go, we go. Because, man... Joe knew, and Joe still knows. And if, if, if brass of certain organizations thought it didn't matter, they, they, they know it does now. They absolutely know it does. It's why Whit Merrifield was much desired by the Cubs and others at the trade deadline, and why Kansas City decided, you know what, we're still not going to part with him. So it's a, it's a problem. It's a bona fide problem. And when Ben Zobrist comes back, and that could be sooner than September 1st, but it'll certainly be September 1st, it looks like, Zobrist will hit leadoff whenever he's in the lineup. And I don't know how often he'll be in the lineup, but when he's there, he will hit leadoff. And when he's not in the lineup, you could argue it should be Rizzo. You could, if you still want to make it Jason Hayward and, and, and hope that he returns to form, I understand. I'm glad Albert Almora is not an option for that any longer. But it is absolutely an issue, and don't ever let anybody tell you different. 670, the score is where you are. It's Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run. Our buddy Chris Kampka joins us next with Camp Connections right here on 670, the score. Welcome back in on 670 The Score. Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run. Uh, lots of you texting in about the leadoff conversation that we were just having. And we appreciate that. And, I, you know, thank you to my guy, Chris Kamka, the Sultan of Stat from NBC Sports Chicago, for listening earlier and telling me just how wrong I was, Chris, about the Cubs' 23 different pitchers having pitched out of the bullpen this year being the most. Not even close. 33 for the Mariners. I don't know where that ranks historically. I don't know what the most is for a bullpen during the course of the year. That's why I have guys like you on the air. Good morning, Chris. Yeah, so welcome to 2019 baseball speak. How about I mean, that's the way it goes. I mean, you got and and mind you, I I threw these numbers down there, and I had to you know go ahead and take away all the position players because almost every team has used them. Um, but yeah, 33 for the Mariners, followed by 27 by the Blue Jays, 26 for the Orioles, Phillies, and Angels, which includes Jared Walsh, who's a two-way guy. Um, 25 for the Rangers, 25 for the Twins. Hmm. 
24 for the Mets, 23 for the Nationals and Braves, Cubs and Brewers. So it's not all bad teams doing this. I mean, you have a combination of injuries. You have some managers that are going to put a starter throwing on his side day. You're going to have things like that. And just a lot of mixing and matches, you know, a lot of trial and error. You got to figure it out. And you only have so many bullpen spots. You got to get them right. Uh, a lot of teams trying a lot of pitchers. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and it's, it's smart to aggressively cycle through because bullpens are so weird and guys can have it one year and, and not have it the next year. But, man, I, I was looking yesterday, and, and our friend Scott um, Lindholm actually was, was tweeting about this, Chris. More blown saves over the past couple years than ever before in baseball. Blown saves are on the rise, and a lot of them are in the seventh yeah. inning and the eighth inning. And, and maybe and that's that was, yeah. because of more usage. Maybe that's about usage more than anything. But I like to think that the specialization is failing, maybe because I want the specialization to be failing. Well, when you say that, immediately what pops to mind is exactly that, seventh and eighth inning. And you have fewer pitchers going eight, nine innings, so you're going to have more pitchers coming in the sixth, seventh, and eighth. And so, unfortunately, those are labels blown saves, even though they're really not saves, you know, they're not save opportunities, really. They're, they're more hold opportunities. But uh, if you have more relievers coming in early in games, yeah, it's just going to happen. You're going to have more blown saves. So I don't really put that much into that, really, uh, because – you know, they're not designed to be safe situations. Understood. Um, all right, Mr. Chris, what you got for me on Cubs and Sox this week in what has been an interesting week uh, for the Cubs with all those brutal lo- road losses uh, and, then, and then the win yesterday as they head into the Little League Classic tonight? Sure, but starting on Cubs, and let me continue that thought on leadoff hitters, and I'm really glad you said what you did because I couldn't agree more. Leadoff position is important. And to those who say, oh, it's only one spot a game, well, no, this is why that's not true. First of all, over the course of a season, you know, each spot has 17 more plate appearances over the course of a year than the next. So when you have first as opposed to, you know, three spots down, that's, you know, three times 17 or about 50 plate appearances over the course of a year, which is impactful. And second of all, that leadoff spot, when you're going late in the games and the lineup turns over again, that's the guy who's coming up. And I want a good player there. So leadoff spot is important, and to those who say it's only worth a couple of runs or so, well, if you, if you play that game, they add up. You know, you, you don't take one medicine because, you know, you don't not take a medicine because it doesn't cure everything that ails you. You take individual medicine for each individual ailment. That's because that's how you do it, or else they add up. Anyway. Thank um, you for taking me to the medicine cabinet. I appreciate that. But, uh, but, I, but back to the lineup. Yeah. How do we get back to the lineup from the cabinet? Well, um, I'm going to go another direction. Okay. So the home road thing is something that's been talked about quite a lot this year. Yeah, I, I referenced your stat, Chris, because you had it on Twitter the other day. This is right now the biggest split in Cubs franchise history between their home winning percentage and their road winning percentage. Uh, biggest 1933 was the other year, but the Cubs have passed that with their horrific road performance. Well, I, I, I'm glad to say that with yesterday's win, they're back to number two behind 1933. <laughs> um, yeah, but, but a little more on that. Um, so their road record is 24 and 39, but their run differential is minus 11. And their Pythagorean record says they should be 30 and 33 on the road this year. So that's a lot. It's a six game difference from the road alone. And that would be a huge difference. I mean, they've been a little unlucky. Consider this. 11 run, a minus 11 run differential on the road for the Cubs this season. 
The Brewers have a minus 21 overall. The Phillies have a minus 17 overall. These are the two teams that are right on the heels of the wild card. And that's their overall run differential. And it's worse than the Cubs' road differential. They're supposed to be this just horrible team on the road. So I think it's a lot of, you know, bad luck. But then again, if you look at the players, um, the top, you know, the biggest five contributors offensively, Bias Contreras, Bryant Rizzo, Schwarber, this season, at home they've hit a combined 303, 387, 561. But on the road, they're a combined 245, 328, 482. However, with more homers. But when you're getting that big of a drop-off from home to road, you're going to have a little bit of an issue. Plus, on the road, they're a full-run um, higher starter ERA, and, and that's troubling. And the relievers has a considerably higher whip, 1.509 on the road, 1.183 at home. So, there, you know, there's a little bit of a drop-off in every category. But when you look at it overall, hmm. a minus 11 run differential, there's a little bit of bad luck involved. So, so, I mean, so there we are. So it's everything. As we've all been racing to come up with whatever crackpot theory you can, it's the fact that everything has been a little worse statistically, and there's been some bad luck involved as well. And to get back to the human element, it's natural that you don't have the confidence on the road that you do at right. home. And that, and that can absolutely be a little bit of a factor that pushes you over the top or under the bottom. Yeah, and more along that, you know, look at the one-run record this year. They're 17-20, and 20. okay. Mm. But if you break it down, they're home and road. They're 12-7 and seven in one-run games at home, 5-13 and 13 in one-run games on the road. And a lot of that has to do with bullpen, because obviously when there's a walk-off hit, only the first run scores. Those are always one-run games, unless it's a walk-off grand slam or something. Um, I don't know if I've seen one of those in a while. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's, you know, that's another thing. There's a little bad luck involved. The bullpen just hasn't done it. But overall, they should be better. And I can't imagine it's going to continue to be this bad going forward through the rest of the season. The, uh, the White Sox are on the road. Steve Stone with the weekend off. The Bill Walton broadcast with our friend Jason Benetti was just an absolute blast on NBC Sports Chicago two nights ago. Last night, Michael Shore, Ken Tremendous on the Twitters, um, was, was the, the guest analyst along with Jason Benetti. That was a good listen, too. It's a very different personality than Bill Walton, as everybody in the universe is. But I was watching that one last night when, uh, when, when Jimmy Cordero got in a little bit of trouble, but then it was Jace Fry giving up the single to Shohei Otani, and then Evan Marshall couldn't find the plate, and the Angels come back and take care of the White Sox with a four-run rally last night. What you got on the Sox this week, Chris? Well, this, this part of the, uh, the talk is brought to you by the letter A. A stands for April, A stands for August, A stands for Anderson. Tim Anderson is back. He is, he's been hitting the ball. He's hitting 406 in August with 28 hits. Only Gio Urshela has more hits this month than the majors, 29. And consider the fact that Anderson's hitting 406 in August despite going 0 for 8 in a doubleheader. Those are the only two games this month that he has not recorded a hit. Plus, he's added three walks, and he had no walks in his previous 27 games. But how is he doing it? Well, he's 10 for 17 on curves and sliders, so he is damaging those pitches. I mean, he's hitting 15 for 39 on for the fastballs, which is a 385, so that's good. But he's doing his damage to curves and sliders. He's doing damage to virtually everything. And he's doing his damage with balls in, in the zone. His zone contact percentage is 94.1. So if it's in the zone, he's hitting it. 
Now, this year now, that's up from 89.2% for the full year. So he is really getting it done this month again. He had nine multi-hit games in April and 23 games when he won the AL Player of the Month. He's already got nine multi-hit games this month in only 16 games. And according to Bill Walton, he's going right to the Basketball Hall of Fame. Thank you, Chris. It's good to watch Tim Anderson. Uh, right now at Charlotte, Yohan Moncada is there. He homered last night. Nick Madrigal is there. He hit a inside-the-park home run last night. Uh, Moncada will come back. I'm still hoping that Madrigal and Luis Robert both find their way here during the month of September, but we'll have to see. Yeah, well, I hope so, too. I mean, Nick Anderson is probably, for me, the most intriguing of the bunch because of that insane strikeout to hit ratio so i want to see what he's able to do because he has a skill set that nearly nobody in the majors right now has so i want to see how that plays in the majors and i'm really excited for that and obviously with this Robert, because who wouldn't be excited for that so there's a lot of good things coming up ahead for the white Sox. and if tim anderson this then you know we gotta people gotta worry about the white Sox because illoy's there and he's already got 21 homers and I mean, it's, it's going to be something for other teams. They're going to have to watch out. Thank you so much, Chris. Appreciate you. That's Chris Kamka, the Sultan of Staff from NBC Sports Chicago. Yeah, I, I hope Madrigal and Robert come here. I hope Robert gets a chance to play next to Eloy and uh, get, uh, get comfortable with the MLB game during the month of September so the White Sox can hit the ground running next year. All right. Um, we are hit and run. Actually, I am hit and run, and I bring in guest co-hosts from time to time, and we have one next hour. Very excited to talk to Steve Albini about baseball, about music, about uh, fluffy coffees, about baseball, and about other things, and did I mention baseball? And we will get you uh, ready for the rest of the day in baseball in our final hour. Um, you'll, you'll hear some stuff uh, that went on last night. You'll also get educated a bit about the Little League Classic, which is coming up later on today with that game right here on our air tonight on 670 The Score. But Steve Albini coming up next right here on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.